Great ideas are born every minute, but rarely do they actually come to fruition. But this one did. Welcome back to Love Someone with Delilah. I have such a fun story that I want you to feast on today. Pastor Kevin Finch, a one-time food editor and food critic for a Spokane, Washington magazine, was a trained observer. Over the years of doing his work, the focus of his attention became not only about the food that was set before him, but also on those setting the food before him. The chefs, the kitchen and wait staff, the hostess and the bartenders. He wanted to know their stories. And we want to know his. It started with an idea. Kevin Finch wanted to invite all of those folks who are normally busy, working, sweating, frustrated, exhausted, serving others. He wanted them to sit down at a big table and enjoy a meal made by some of the world's very best chefs, served to them by those they normally cater to. First things first, he had to get a custom table. A custom table that seats 48 was made. Kevin is here with us today to tell us the whole story, why he serves, who he serves, and how he serves at the big table. Right after we give a moment to our sponsor, our incredible sponsor, who makes this podcast possible, who could also help you make a really big table if you decide to do that. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at The Home Depot. It's where the people who love to be organized are flocking to this month. After all, it's The Home Depot's Pack, Store, and Save event. The Home Depot has a line on exclusive HDX black and yellow tough totes in various sizes from as little as $4.98 each. Now you can safely store everything from seasonal items to family keepsakes. At these prices, these totes are all well within reach. Valid through Labor Day, September 7th, while supplies last. Find your storage solution in one place. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome, Kevin Finch. Thank you for spending some time with us today to talk to us about the work of the big table mostly the work of your heart that is translated into the big table. That's, I guess that's true. Yes. <laughs> Great ideas are born every minute, but rarely do they actually come to fruition. This one did. This is the first time my listeners have probably heard about big table it was the first time I heard about it. My sister, Deanna, who is the producer of the podcast brought me uh, this story. And I said, whoa, this is amazing. And I used to own a restaurant, so I know firsthand how challenging it can be. What exactly is Big Table and how is it being a blessing to others? Well, um, Big Table cares for those that work in crisis. We're a nonprofit, cares for those in crisis who work in restaurants and hotels. Which is pretty much everybody who works in restaurant and hotels right now. Absolutely. Um, overnight in March, uh, the whole industry was shattered top to bottom. 
So tell me how how it started, how it was birthed, what your vision was, and how you decided, hey, you know what? I want to be a blessing to those who are constantly blessing others. How did that happen? Well, um, I, in the early 2000s, I was moonlighting as a restaurant critic in eastern Washington. Uh, my day job during that time was I was a pastor in a church, and I'd been a pastor for about 15 years. Uh, but no one who knew me as a restaurant critic or a food writer uh, knew that I was a pastor. I was just the guy who was writing restaurant reviews. As I was doing that, my spidey sense, and it took a couple of years, but my spidey sense started to go off, uh, thinking that, gosh, it seems like there's a higher percentage of folks in crisis behind the smiles of folks who work in the hospitality industry. And that wasn't just an overnight kind of light bulb. It was a slow process of just going, it seems like there's a lot of folks hurting here. Give us some facts, because I know some of the statistics about the food industry. Yeah. Highest rates of drug and alcohol abuse of any industry in the nation. Um, And first off, uh, at least pre-COVID, it's by many counts, it would be the largest industry in the nation when you put restaurants and hotel workers together. So it's a huge group of people. It's a group of people, a lot of whom are in transition or coming out of crisis themselves in other areas of their life. But because the industry, um, there's no barriers to entry. If you're willing to work, you can get a job. Um, The industry tends to collect all of the folks who are kind of most vulnerable, who are still able to work. So think at-risk teens, uh, single parents, folks who were formerly incarcerated, who can't get a job anywhere else because of background checks, new immigrants to the country who may not have a firm grasp of English yet, uh, income insecure seniors. You put all those groups together, and it's not rocket science that this industry would be the industry with the most crisis and need in one place. So here you are, a restaurant critic, sitting down to a a plate of waffles and gravy or whatever. <laughs> and you're, you're the pastor in you, the person that, that loves people and loves God, said, wait a minute, this girl who's standing here smiling at me, handing up these, serving up these waffles, looks like she's been crying all day long. Well, let me tell you one story, a true story. Um, I was with a friend who was, uh, has been part of Big Table for many years, too, we went out for sushi late night, uh, and the woman who was serving us just did a horrible job of kind of tracking our order, got our drink order wrong. And the typical response of a customer is to kind of say, what's wrong with this person? Um, years of kind of caring for the industry made me ask a different question. When she came back to the table, I asked her, are you all right? Um, are you okay? And her response was, to like freeze. And then she almost started to cry. And then she literally ran away from the table without saying anything. She left. When she came back, I asked her again, I said, no, I really wanted to know the answer to that question. And she said, I have to go to court tomorrow to find out if I have to go back to prison. And in that instance, I realized I knew exactly why she messed up our drink order. It wasn't because she was a bad server. It was because the brokenness in her life had just overwhelmed her, and she was doing her very best just to be in the restaurant that night. I think so often as 
customers, we expect these folks, it's part of the social contract to say, get me my food, get it correct. And we forget that these are people. And what Big Table has done is say, I think this is the place where there's the highest concentration of need in the nation. We could care and do something about that. And how did you start this? What was the first step you took <laughs> after you had that revelation? And that must have felt like one of those, as Oprah calls them, aha moments where God kind of parted yeah. the clouds and let you see, this is the destiny I'm calling you to. This is why yeah. you've gone through all this. So Delilah, do you want the rotary version of the story or do you want the pastor version of the story? I want the real version. I want your heart version. I don't want an edited. I don't want a, well, I got to talk to my audience. I want to know how that happened. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you the real version. So I'd noticed all these statistics. I'd realized that there was a sense that it was kind of a little, of a kind of an emperor's new clothes moment for me when I realized that there was so much need concentrated in this industry. And I'd researched it and even looked at the IRS website and realized, because my goal wasn't to start an organization or to start a movement. My goal was to just avoid a little bit of my personal guilt. So I was looking for an organization that was already caring for the industry online that I could give to. And I couldn't find anything. This is 2006, and there were a million and a half nonprofits registered with the IRS. Not a single one out of a million and a half was caring for the largest industry in the nation with the highest risk factors. It just made no sense whatsoever. But I was a pastor. I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur, so I just didn't know what to do. Uh, but I was asleep. This is the fall of 2006. I was asleep. Uh, the family was all gone, so I was all by myself in the home. Middle of the night, about two in the morning, I went from completely asleep to fully wide awake instantly. And it was so abrupt that I got out of bed and walked to the foot of the bed in the dark, uh, listening for what had woken me up. And I thought maybe the doorbell had rung, maybe a window had broke, someone was trying to get into the house. And I just was standing there in the dark, listening for what had woken me up. And I heard a voice. Um, I don't know if it was in my head or if it was aloud in the room, but the voice said, Kevin, I need a pastor for the restaurant industry. Are you interested? And it was a statement. And then a question, and I knew I had to say something. Um, so I said, uh, yeah. But then I asked the question myself. I said, what would that look like? And the reason I asked the question was, after five years of moonlighting as a restaurant critic, anytime anyone in the industry found out I was a food critic or a writer, everyone wanted to talk to me. But the instant anyone asked what else I did and they found out that I was a pastor, it was the end of the conversation. In I could clear a table in 30 seconds. It was like uh, cockroaches when you turn on a light. Uh, just instantly, no one wanted to talk to me. So in the middle of the night, I felt like I'd just been offered a job that was a guaranteed failure uh, to be a pastor to an industry that didn't want a pastor. So I said, what would that look like? And... Again, not sure what the, the physics of this were, but in a pitch black bedroom, I saw a Bible that was open to Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, which is a passage where Luke describes the early church uh, forming initially. And as I'm reading a passage of Scripture that 
I don't think physically existed on a page that didn't physically exist. Two phrases jumped out at me. The first was they ate together. And the second one was they took care of each other. And then the voice said, well, that's how you would pastor this group of people. And then the, the voice was gone. The Bible was gone. I was just in a black room again. And I wasn't sure what had just happened, but I knew it was important. So I went downstairs and turned on a light and wrote down everything I could remember. Uh, the really cool part of Big Table is that's exactly what we do. We create community around shared meals and over cups of coffee. And then we care for folks without any strings attached. And it really is amazing. I'm speechless. Speechless and in awe. And how cool is that? It's Well, for me, um, it's where you started. A lot of great ideas happen. Um, rarely do they come to fruition. And I also say that there's no way I could have done this. Um, people go, how did you have the guts to do that? And it was in the middle of... Uh, the last recession that this started, which is a horrible time to start a nonprofit um, in the middle of a recession, other than that's exactly when nonprofits are most needed, because who hurts the most? It's the folks who are kind of on the bottom rungs of the ladder who don't have resources. But such an incredible team, and I would say God has brought together with skills that I don't have to make this what it is. How many people on the big table team? First off, who made the big table? Because I heard it's, it's, it seats like 50 people, 48 people. 48 people. Yeah, it seats 48 people. Um, there was a, a local architect in town that we approached and said, we have no money. We want to make a really cool table. Could you design one? And basically, he came up with a design where I went to Home Depot and we bolted together two by fours on edge and then put legs on it. And then different sections enough to seat 48 people. It was so heavy that anyone that tried to pick the thing up needed to see the chiropractor the next day. So we've had to re-engineer it over the years. But it's this very fun, very simple table. Um, We had a, a small dinner for some restaurant owners last night with four sections of it. And then there's a separate table that we built for our big table team in Seattle and a separate one. Uh, for San Diego, which is our third location. Where are they stored? Where do you keep them? Like, where where does this happen? So the Big Table Dinners function kind of like an underground restaurant. So we pop up all over town. We've done them in barns, in uh, agricultural districts. Uh, We've done them in banquet halls. We've done them outside in backyards. How do you move this thing? (laughs) It breaks down into sections. Um, that was one of the instructions we gave to the architect originally is we got to be able to move this thing from location to location. So it, it all breaks down, uh, but it's so fun. The pictures of the dinners are just amazing. The one in Spokane lives in a kind of a horse trailer. Uh, the one in Seattle lives in a refrigerator truck. And the one in San Diego lives in kind of a storage facility, and we just pick it up for each dinner in the back of a pickup truck. Wow, how fun. How many of these big table meals do you average a year? In each city, we do three to four um, where it's bringing the community together. Uh, but day in and day out, which is kind of really what our heart is, is that what we're doing is caring for folks. And some of those are people that were guests at the dinner. Uh, many of the people that come to the dinner then would refer someone else that they know that's in trouble. 
And initially, all of the referrals came from a dinner where someone would put down on a three-by-five card, here's someone that needs help. Um, but the referral piece is one of the most unique things about Big Table that we just stumbled onto that we, I don't feel like I can take credit for. But when I was a pastor, uh, there was a stream of folks who would come in the doors of the churches that I served since they were kind of center city churches asking for help. All of those people needed help. Uh, very few of those people needed the help that they were asking for. What they were doing was kind of working the system. And whether um, our church said yes or said no, they would go to the next church with the same story or go to the next social service agency. So you're talking about people who would come and say, I'm being evicted from my apartment and yeah. I need $1,000 to pay my rent. And exactly. And if you said yes to the request, you knew that all you were doing is prolonging the addiction. And if you said no... You felt like a bad person because they're going to be out on the street. Absolutely. And so when I started Big Table, I was saying, how do we not create a cycle of dependency for folks who are right on the edge? And the very first dinner that we did, I thought, gosh, um, just as I was walking out the door, I grabbed a stack of three by five cards and brought them along to the dinner and then just handed them out to the people who were in the industry that were sitting at the table and asked them, who do you know that's hurting that we could care for? Uh, what has happened is that's developed into a system where all of our referrals come from someone who knows a person. Uh, it could be a person who just eats in a restaurant who's gotten to know a server, um, like you mentioned. It could be a coworker. It could be a manager or an owner who see someone who's starting to spiral out of control. But what that does is it gets us to the folks most in need rather than the folks who are most vocal or who are working the system. And it totally changes the dynamic of how we care for people uh, because they're not asking us for help, which is really hard for people to do in most cases. We're reaching out to them and just saying, a friend of yours said that you're going through a tough time. We would love to see if there's a way we could help, which completely changes the dynamic of the relationship from that first phone call. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. 
So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. And how many people on an average a year do you think your your ministry is touching? Again, that COVID has totally skewed that because it's just been a tidal wave of need through the pandemic as people lost their jobs. Essentially, the whole industry lost their jobs. And most of the restaurant groups and hotel groups, they laid off anywhere from 80 to 100 percent of their employees within a couple weeks. I wish I had the numbers right in front of me right now. But in each city, we're impacting between three and 500 family units with kind of ongoing mentoring care. And the goal would be at the end of 10 years with 10 cities across the country, that's our vision, to be impacting 5,000 people a year um, directly. And then by extension, that's 20,000 people in terms of the kind of ripple effect for those families. So where does Big Table get funding to be able to say, listen, you know, we can put you up in an apartment, or do you say, hey, move into my house? How do you do that? Um, a lot of the funding, the first, <laughs> a lot of the original funding came from folks who just knew me. Um, so folks from the church that I left, or people who knew me that I'd shared the story with, often these would be people who love to eat out or love to travel and go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there was such a need. Um a number of those people will give to us monthly. Also, we get money from businesses that are connected to the restaurant hospitality industry who realize that we're caring for the people that keep them in business. That would be the food supply companies like Cisco and U.S. Foods and Performance Food Group in different parts of the country or um, Bar Green Ellingson, which in the Seattle area and in other parts of the country is one of the major restaurant suppliers. So it's companies like that that give restaurant groups where we start to care for their employees and they go, oh my goodness, how can we help? I've never come across a more generous group of people than the folks who work in restaurants and hotels. In a lot of ways, they put many of the folks from the faith community to shame in terms of how generous they are. Um, If someone's rent is due today and my rent isn't due till tomorrow and they don't have enough money, it's amazing how many people say, hey, here, I'll help you pay your rent and hope that someone will do the same for me tomorrow. Um, I just, it's amazing. And so it's so fun to care for those kinds of people. So give me a story, share a story or two, some of your favorites. I know, yeah, you won't share real names for anonymity reasons, but some of the stories of people whose lives have been impacted uh, either by sitting around the big table or yeah. simply by association with the big table. Um, I've got so many stories. Um, 
let me do a short one just recently. Our director in San Diego, Jesse, just got to deliver a huge care package to a family that English would be their second language, Spanish would be their first language. Um, the father in the family, when they came out to deliver all these um, gift cards and things to just help this family get through the next couple months, he literally said, I have nothing to give you to thank you, um, but could my family and I pray for you? And so his gift back was to pray for Jesse and our team. And our whole team ended up crying at that. Let me tell you, though, um, maybe one of my favorite stories is the story of Nicole. And she's given me permission to use her name. Uh, she was a, a single mom, three little kids interviewed as a bartender at an event venue in Spokane. She was given the job. As she was leaving, the manager who just hired her saw her outside trying to push her car out of the parking spot and went out and said, uh, Nicole, um, are you okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's my car. It doesn't have reverse. So anytime I park in a spot, I have to push it out. So she helped her push her out and noticed that it was also a convertible. And Nicole goes, oh, yeah the top doesn't go up. So anytime it rains or snows, which happens fairly regularly in Spokane, um, the car turned into a bathtub. So this is a single mom with this kind of car. And so Desiree, the manager called me as Nicole was driving off and said, Kevin, I just hired a bartender. Uh, could big table provide a car for her? At that point we had almost no money. But my answer in, in those situations. Uh, of course that, we can. Right. Well, I said, let me see what I can do. Uh, literally 48 hours later, I got a phone call uh, from Seattle. Someone who knew about Big Table said, hey, Kevin, I've got a car I want to donate. Is there any chance Big Table could use it? And so I got to fly over to Seattle, drive the car back, and a week later, we got to show up at Nicole's house to give her this car. And she comes running out the front door with her three little kids. And her oldest son said, hey, mom, try R, try R and see if it works. And so the four of them piled into the car, backed up three feet, and then drove forward three feet. That was the beginning of the story with Nicole. But the real why I love the story so much is two years later, Nicole told me, she said, Kevin, you know, that car that you gave us allowed me to stay in school, get the kids to school, continue to work. But I would have traded that car in an instant for the chance to have been in relationship with you. That's what changed my life. And that's our whole premise with Big Table is what changes our lives isn't a rent payment that keeps us from getting evicted. It isn't, um, it isn't a new tooth. Those things are critical and important, but what changes people's lives is relationships. It's to maybe use some of what I hear from your podcast. It's love. It's reaching out and caring for someone and being willing to enter a person's life and stay there. And that's hard. People don't understand how hard that is because when you're entering into somebody's life who's broken, who suffered trauma, who suffered abuse, oftentimes yeah. they're abusive and, right. and they're broken and it's right. messy. Love is so stinking messy. It is. And I can't tell you how many of our care 
coordinators is what we call them, um, with these folks, we'll uh, set up appointments to meet with them, to sit in the coffee shop, and no one shows up. Not because their intentions aren't good. It's just because their lives are in such chaos. So let's reschedule and do it next week. And it's, I think, in some ways, what love looks like, what relationships looks like is just continuing to show up for people. And so many of the folks in this industry whose lives are so broken have never had someone who was willing to keep showing up. Um, and that's what Big Table's about, is continuing to show up for them and ask good questions, ask challenging questions, but communicate that the reason we're asking those is because we love them. That's what love is. It is. And I think that's where God shows up. And I think that's where we as people are our best selves is when we are willing to make space for someone else rather than just try to kind of protect our own little piece of property. But our, our world is so counter that. Our world is so society, you know, yeah. social media, TikTok, you name it basically yeah. tells us that it's all about us. It's all about the selfies. It's all about how much you can amass. Right. It's all about how good you look. And there's very little encouragement yeah. to show up and to do the heavy lifting, to lift a heavy table, for goodness sakes. That's what people remember, though. Um, if you ask most people where their best memories of community are, they're going to say it's around a table. But one of the fun things I love is when people look at our big table logo uh, it's got a, a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread sitting on a table. And anyone who's been a part either currently or in the past has had some connection to Christian faith looks at that and goes, that kind of looks a little bit like communion. Um, anyone in the restaurant and hospitality industry who has no connection to faith says, that looks like a party. And if we can be a place where real community and communion happens, and we can create a party. That's where people's lives get changed. And we have some fun in the process. Fishes and loaves. <laughs> I, I told a friend who was an atheist who I was talking to about Big Table. I said, look, here's the deal. Um, if God exists, I think this table is exactly the kind of place where God would show up. If God doesn't exist, we're going to have an amazing meal with all kinds of people who maybe have never eaten food like this before. And then we're going to care for folks who are in crisis. Where's the downside in that? And uh, she looked across the table and said, I don't see one, which one of the joys of what we do is we truly care for everyone. And I make it very clear that there's not a hidden agenda of faith. If you want to have a conversation about God, Nothing would honor me more. But if you want nothing to do with God, if you've been burned or hurt uh, by religion, you are completely welcome at this table because everyone is. And how can somebody get involved if somebody's listening and says, oh, my gosh, I was a server years ago. Oh, my gosh. I remember when I was washing dishes. I mean, I, I had a job at Posey's Bakery when I was 15 years old washing yep. dishes in the back room and how can somebody step up and say, ooh, ooh, pick me. I want to help. I want to I wanna donate. I want to provide. I want to be the person who steps in when the world steps out. Well, the simplest place to start would be to get to our website and reach out to us. 
we've got some amazing resources that are not uh, limited to the cities where Big Table has a care team in place. Uh, that anyone anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, can uh, immediately begin to do. Uh, we've got something called unexpected twenties, which are little tip envelopes that we can send to people. Or we've even got a, a template on the website. You can print it out and make it yourself at home with your kids. The idea is you put a $20 bill in that, and the next time you're in a restaurant, you're in a hotel, you're going through a drive through you just hand that to a person and say, this is a gift. It's not a tip. Make sure you look inside. Uh, the little envelope says, a gift, no strings attached. And it's amazing what that does, not only for the person who's working minimum wage, who gets a $20 bill that they didn't expect. Um, we've had people say, this allows me to get home tonight. I had no way to get home to pay for my bus. But what it does for the person who hands it out is it allows them to see people that were invisible to them before. Little kids have so much fun trying to figure out who to give it to in a restaurant, in a hotel, or it's just so much fun. And we've got a whole list of ideas like that that we can share with anyone about here's what you can do today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life, wherever you are at. Because what we're interested in is not growing Big Table as an organization. We want this to become a movement. Uh, there's no way we could hire enough people to care for the largest industry in the nation with the highest rates of vulnerability. But if we challenge people to be a part of this wherever they're at, we could change that nationwide. Where do folks go to find all this out, to find these tips, to find out how they can participate? It's big-table.com. That's the website. And we would love to strike up a conversation with anyone that wants to be a part of the movement and care for folks, many of whom would probably be the most vulnerable people in each of our communities. But because they have smiles on their faces, no one notices. Big-table.com. If you have ever worked in the food industry, if you have ever been served by somebody in the food or hotel <laughs> industry, if you've ever stayed in a hotel room where somebody served you, if you ever went through a drive through I mean, every human being, I think, in our country has been blessed and touched by this industry that, that as you say, has a lot of heartache. Delilah, does that resonate with you from you said you owned a restaurant at one point? Oh, my gosh. I owned a restaurant, but because we were kind of the big table in the community, uh, it became, which I was happy about, it just became a vehicle for people to gather and be blessed. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we, we were giving away far more food than we were selling. <laughs> and after three or four years, my accountant said, D, um, you can't sustain this. And so it, it, you know, it was no more, but oh my goodness, uh, we had a piano in the restaurant and so people would just come in off the street and start playing and so many people, I mean, one story I'll never forget it, a, an elderly woman was having her birthday party there and she seemed so sad and I was waiting tables and, and I, you know, tried to cheer her up and she just looked so broken, and one of her girlfriends pulled me aside and said it's her birthday, but she just lost her husband a few days ago. Oh. And so we're just trying to lift her spirits. So I asked her when I served her dessert, her birthday cake, can I pray for you? And we had a quick prayer. And she said, 
my stepson, his son, is evicting me from the house that we shared together. Oh, my God. And I've got no place to go. I was dumbfounded. I was speechless. I'm like, what happened to care for the orphans and the widows? What? I'm like, this, no, you're, this cannot be possible. So I call my husband. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta take this lady into our house. (laughs) And he's like, okay, we'll find, we'll make space. And as God would have it, somebody in her family and niece stepped up and said, no, no, we're going to take her. And they moved her out of state. But that was like a daily occurrence. Somebody would come in that had that level of trauma and heartache. Right. Yeah. Well, and what we've certainly seen is that's true in the industry. And I mentioned that anytime anyone found out I was a pastor in the restaurant industry, no one would talk to me. I went to a woman who was a server after that happened multiple times. And I said, "Who? I knew she was a Christian. I knew she was a server. I said, Annie, why is it that no one will talk to me when they find out I'm a pastor? And she goes, oh, that's easy. She said, as a server, I hate Christians. They're the most demanding customers that walk into the restaurant. They're the stingiest tippers that ever sit at my table. And they take the tables for too long, often to study the Bible. We beg not to work on Sundays. It's the worst shift of the week. And she's a Christian herself. And obviously there are people of faith that that's not true for, but they don't tend to be the ones who announce that they're a Christian. They just live differently. Um, And so for so many folks that work in the industry who work weekends and nights and have no connection to the church, the biggest hypocrites they see um, are folks that they would connect to Christianity. So... Um, If you look at our website, there's not a lot about faith up there because we want to care for everyone and not put any barriers in front of them, folks that we're caring for. And if that's going to be a barrier, let's just love them straight up. And then if and when they want to talk about deeper things, it's a privilege to have that conversation. But if we can care for them first, that's what we want to do. So big-table.com, going to send folks there. And I pray that your ministry is blessed to be able to serve as many people as are hurting, which is a big yeah. order. Well, it's it's such a privilege to do it. Um, and it's so much fun to care for people who, some of them have never had someone tell them they're worth anything, uh, get to just say, you are. Uh, you're of infinite value. So I love what we get to do. Thanks for taking time to talk to me about it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've always been told the fastest way to someone's heart is through their stomach. Kevin must have heard that too. He's feeding many, many, many needs at his big table. And it all started with a great idea that he cooked up one day. Here's another great idea. Go to www.big-table.com. Big-table.com and learn how you can become involved in this worthwhile organization. There seems to always be room for more helpers at the big table.